0: Seven minutes now past the hour four o'clock into hour number two on this Thursday, June 8th. Uh, hope you're doing well out there. Uh, apparently we are getting a little bit of the uh, the smoke uh, from uh, Canada, as you heard in our newscast. So take it easy out there if you can. Uh, especially if you're of those who have, uh, you know, a sensitivity to this kind of thing. <laughs> a, a really unusual... Um, situation today in a courtroom in uh, Metro Nashville, where they are trying to decide what to do with all of the manifestos and all of the writings of the Covenant uh, school shooter, uh, Audrey Aidan Hale, um, and a, a really interesting development in that now enters the parents of the shooter, and they're making a claim that, you know, all of the, the, the writings and all of the documents uh, are really uh, ultimately belong to them, not the police department, not the FBI, and that they want to give uh, the transfer, the ownership of all of the manifesto, whatever that means, uh, to the children of Covenant School. Now, now, joining us on the line to help us understand this a bit more is a litigant in the case, John Harris, with the Tennessee Firearms Association. He's among those who are asking uh, the, that the court release this information so we can have a better understanding of what was going on. Uh, John, I, 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 I look at this thing and I say, how more complicated can a thing become? Uh, what was your reaction? I guess you were you were listening in when all of this happened today. What was your reaction when you found out that the parents of the shooter now want to give the writings to the children of the Covenant School?
1: You know, it was, a, it was an interesting turn of events. I was uh, one of the attorneys in the courtroom, since I do represent, on behalf of Judicial Watch, a retired Tennessee sheriff as well as the Tennessee Firearms Association. But I was there as an attorney. And it was, I guess, about halfway through part of the discussion with the court, which took close to three hours today, um, where an attorney who had not appeared in the case previously uh, asked to be heard and uh, represented to the court and to the parties that he represented the parents of Audrey Hale and that um, they were in the process of transferring... Ownership of whatever Audrey Hale had the contents of her car the uh, the books the notebooks the materials uh, that belonged to their daughter uh, to the covenant school parties um, you know in the near future and so it was quite a turn of events because it it indicated to some extent that you know the question of well, why is this happening and why is it happening now um and that's a question that really at this point is unanswered. There was no explanation given uh, at the time as to why the parents uh, had made the choice to transfer these documents to the covenant parties.
0: All right, so a couple of things come to my mind. N- number one, um, uh, d- do they have the authority do are they legally the owners of those things that are now in the possession of the police? Uh, and and if so, why haven't we seen something like this before, where uh, the family would say, "No, uh, we don't want this information released to the public because uh, it is it is ours and we want it back and we don't want it released." I've never heard an argument like that made by the families of someone who has carried out one of uh, such an attack as what we saw.
1: Well, it, it is an odd turn of events. You know, as an attorney, I, I, I do handle probate work, and, and the law is pretty clear in Tennessee on, in testate succession, or testate, which means you have a will. And right. that is that the assets, with the limited exception of real estate, never pass at the moment of death. The law in Tennessee requires that a probate estate be opened, that the assets of the deceased be held for a minimum of four months in order for claims of creditors to be submitted to the court. Uh-huh. And the court then decides, do those assets get liquidated to pay the claims of creditors? So th- there is no law in Tennessee that I'm aware of that would have vested the ownership of Miss Hale, who was an adult, assets in her parents or anyone else as of the moment of death uh, at least in terms of these writings in the manifesto documents. So it seems to be there may be a few hurdles that have to be crossed uh, before any such transfer might lawfully take place. Um, but really, it raises the other question of, so what? And, and the reason is, police, when they seize evidence, frequently seize things that belong to third parties, right? but that's held as evidence or they come into possession of documents that are have ownership or title in third parties, and there's not an exemption under the current Open Records Act that says, if the thing that's being held as evidence, or that was collected as evidence, belongs to a third party, that it is protected from disclosure under the Open Records Act. I mean, if that were the case, then the only thing that the Open Records Act would ever allow access to would be documents that were created by the government entity itself.
0: All right, so a couple of things that I want to clear up. Uh, I'm seeing headlines that say uh, that uh, that the family of the shooter... Wants to hand over the ownership of the manifesto, the writings, whatever they are, to the children. But am I hearing correctly? You're saying it's among the, it's among that group of like the, the church, the church school, and the, the parents that are they're actually uh, talking about transferring this over to
1: the the statement made in court was it would be transferred to the to or for the benefit of the children, which I two
0: or for the benefit of the children. So that brings my next question. Let's say that somehow that was done and somewhere down the, the pathway, uh, somebody comes to uh, that group of children and says, we want to do a documentary. Uh, we want to, uh, we want to do a made for TV movie and we want to know what's in those, in those, uh, those documents. Uh, we're, we're willing to pay you for them. There could be some remuneration for getting there. Would they then be, you know, would they be the receivers of the money? Uh, that would come for something like this because you know, you know, somebody's going to want to write a book about this someday.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And we just don't know enough right now. For example, one possibility would be that the records would be, uh, for example, placed into a trust where the children, their parents were the beneficiaries of the trust, but they really didn't have control over it. Uh, there's just, too many. I mean, we we had an amazing announcement today of this new turn and twist in the case, all of which is geared towards trying to make sure the public never sees these records. Uh, but we don't really know beyond what was said in court what course that conveyance, that transfer might take. But you're you're absolutely right. I mean, these these documents could have immense value, just like potentially the Columbine shooting documents from right, a couple exactly. decades ago would have huge value to some movie makers.
0: Yeah, uh, so I, I guess the thing I keep coming back to is I've never seen a situation where there was so many people. So you got now you've got uh, the church, you've got, uh, you've got the, the, the school, you've got parents, uh, and you've got the actual family of the person who carried out the attack all working in concert to do what? Keep this information sealed up as best I can tell. That's the, that's the idea. Uh, to keep it out of the public eye. Have you ever seen such a thing where there seems to be so much effort into keeping something that would normally be available to the public in very short order away from public
1: scrutiny? No, in, in my experience, I've been practicing law here in Nashville. And as you and I have talked before for 38 years now, and, and I have not seen a, a situation like this develop ever. I mean, for a few years ago, there was a pretty hot... Uh, open records case that was made its way through the court system that had to do with the Vanderbilt rape cases, and nothing of this scope or magnitude took place there. Um, and so this is this is really a very unique situation in terms of the amount of effort that's being put forth by third parties that typically aren't even involved in an open records matter. Trying to inject themselves into the case, and and it's clear in their pleadings that what they want ultimately is that none of these records ever see the light of day. They're asking for a permanent injunction, blocking disclosure.
0: There's, it's, it's. it's, it's I keep. I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. I'm reminded of that line from Hamlet: "The lady doth protest too much." I mean, there's so many people protesting the release of this information. Uh, one wonders what might be in these these documents that they don't want to come out. I I, I don't understand. I mean, you're probably going to get you know some lunatic ravings. You're probably going to. But remember, um, Audrey Aiden Hale. Uh, was uh, was at one point a student of the school. There are some 20 different journals. We don't know how far back they go. She was, what, 28 years old uh, uh, at the time of the shooting uh, before she was uh, killed in that shootout with police. Uh, and so, you know, how far back did those those documents go? Do they tell us something about what might have been happening when she was in school? Is there some reference to that in there? I mean, all of these questions come to mind, but I keep coming back to why there are so many people that seem to be uh, completely, uh, I don't know, uh, just going out of their way in a way I've never seen in an open records case to make sure that the records don't get out. Uh, it, it, that that seems very strange to me, John.
1: It, it, it absolutely is. I mean, frankly, a lot of these open records cases, they, they go off and it's the person who asked for the document and the government agency raising a, a technical statutory objection or a good-faith question for the court of, you know, how much of this can we redact? And the court then looks at it. Very few open records cases involve this level of controversy, much less having more attorneys involved in the case, and it would take to field two pro football teams, you know, in the Titan Stadium. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I mean, it really. The, we were did, You were talking the other day about the hourly rate uh, when this case is in uh, is in session. Is just got to be through the roof. Um, well, that's that's all very interesting, John. I, I don't know what to think about it. I mean, ultimately, the the judge will get to see all of the evidence. Is that correct?
1: Yes, yes. There's an order down from the very first status conference where Metro has been required by the judge. To let the judge review what the term is in camera basically means in her chambers Uh, let her review all of the records uh, unredacted and so uh, and really frankly that has to be the case so the judge can make an intelligent informed decision and she seems to be trying to do that on are these claimed exceptions even applicable but we're so far from getting to that point With all of these, uh, you know, intervenors and the appeal, and now the new. um, (laughs) The new wrinkle wrinkle today, right, yeah. Yeah, transfer of ownership, that uh, it's going to be a while potentially before we ever get to just the merits of the question of have the objections even been properly raised.
0: Well, okay, listen, I greatly appreciate you bringing us up to speed on this thing. Uh, Again, a sort of uh, really unusual twist. That I don't think anybody saw coming, but I mean, there's so many things about this thing that we have not seen coming that it's, um, it's, uh, it is really uh, one of the more interesting.